Welcome to the Audio Advocate. I'm Hunter Brin, and I'll be stepping in for Madeline White on this month's edition of the Audio Advocate. Today, our feature segment is about the Boy Scouts and answering some of the most frequently asked questions about what's going on with the Boy Scouts and the United Methodist Churches. I'm joined by Reverend Steve Summers, the Director of Connectional Ministries and Assistant to the Bishop. Steve, thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you, Hunter? Good. Well, we want to talk about what's going on with the Boy Scouts. Um, We just put out some FAQs, so we're going to address some of that. Um, So to start, the first question on our FAQs is, uh, what is the crux of the disagreement between the Boy Scouts and the United Methodist Church? Thanks for asking, Hunter. It's great to be with you today, and thank you for the invitation uh, to be on this podcast. And and I will answer that, but before I answer that, let me just back up uh, a minute and share what we do agree on. Well, we agree that um, the United Methodist Church in general, the Virginia Conference in particular, uh, is very supportive of scouting. We've had a long-standing relationship with scouting. Um, it is a partnership that furthers the cause of Christ and makes a difference in so many lives, not just youth, but adult leaders as well. Um, in fact, up on Bishop Lewis's uh, conference room wall, there's a, I think it's a, called a Golden Torch Award from the Scouts. Uh, just reflects the depth of care and love for the Scouts that we have in the Virginia Conference. But when you talk about disagreement and the crux of what we're uh, working with right now as both challenge and opportunity is um, the indemnification that hasn't been provided for the United Methodist Church with uh, charter agreements where scouts have met at our local churches for many, many decades. Part of the chartered agreement historically has been that um, the churches would be indemnified for losses. In other words, they'd be taken care of. It would be covered. And um, when the Scouts found themselves, the BSA, the Boy Scouts of America, found themselves deep in litigation over um, many thousands of sex abuse lawsuits, um, it went to bankruptcy because they realized, I imagine, that um, that was the best course of action to continue as an organization, um, when they got into the bankruptcy court, as I understand it, uh, the chartered agreements uh, with um, the chartered organizations uh, wasn't really honored in the sense that we weren't folded into a bankruptcy settlement of $850 million, as I recall. Now, keep in mind, I'm the director of Connectional Ministries and assistant to the bishop, not an attorney. And there are limits to what I can share. Um, And, of course, there are limits to my knowledge. But I would turn your attention to the here. I know it's a lot of reading, but to the September 20 uh, FAQ document, Frequently Asked Questions that our wonderful communications folks have put out um, from the Virginia United Methodist Church titled The UMC and the Boy Scouts. In fact, that's the first question. What's the crux of the disagreement between the Boy Scouts and the United Methodist Church. And that goes into it in fairly considerable uh, depth. 5,000 churches are affected in the United States. Uh, More than 15% of the congregations are in this conversation right now. And 
trying to discern how to move forward and uh, document will give a lot of insight, and we'll try to unpack it in this podcast as well this morning as best we can. Um, so one of the things that is that we talked about frequently when we're talking about the Boy Scouts is a um, facility use agreement. So give me a little bit about what that is, what it does, um, why does why do we want the new Boy Scout, the, the, the troops that we have in our churches now to sign them, um, and versus just using the charter? Right, thanks. Um, the facility use agreement um, is fancy language for a contract um, that uh, governs how third parties, like the Scouts or other organizations, um, use United Methodist Church property. Um, quite honestly, that uh, is important at this season because we had this chartered arrangement with the Scouts for so many decades, and now we're at a place with the bankruptcy, and as we figure out how to move forward in a great relationship with the Scouts, that we need to make sure that the legal liability is placed where it belongs, rightly, and that's on the um, user of the facility, in this case, the Scouts. Uh, That way we know the Boy Scouts will be required by the FUA, or Facility Use Agreements, to abide by the and to quote the FAQ, the rules, the regulations, policies, and directives of the local United Methodist Church. Um, in fact, uh, the Boy Scouts and the councils have begun to circulate their own FUA um, in that same regard as we have um, requested that we move away from the chartered agreement, which we've had problems with in the past as evidence but the bankruptcy court proceedings and how that uh, played out in court and where we are at the white right now. So, and is it FUA is a uh, facility use agreement. Correct, um, correct. What is, does that, is that going to hinder the Boy Scouts from doing anything that they already do? Is, is that going to change kind of how the Boy Scouts look right. in our churches? Hey, Hunter, that's a really great question. In fact, um, I'll just share it that I've, I'm on the phone several hours a day in the last few weeks. Um, and uh, responded to a whole boatload of emails, and a lot of them are regarding the FUA or facility use agreement um, and the charters and the recommendations of the National United Methodist Church, you know, our general church. And I will add before I answer that question directly about the uh, meaning of the FAU, because I think it's important for everyone to hear the guidance that we're um, bringing forth in the Virginia Conference from uh, Bishop Lewis and the uh, team that's working to help uh, lead us through this scouting opportunity and challenge is receiving its material from the general church, Bishop Scholl and um, a group of seasoned attorneys and uh, economic people uh, financial people and just a lot of uh, folks that understand bankruptcy and agreements like this have been working together with um, other parties, especially the scouts and the bankruptcy court, to iron out how we might work this out moving forward. We are taking that material and sending it forth uh, to the Virginia Conference in a way that honors the wisdom of the general church. This isn't uh, my stuff or Bishop Lewis's stuff, this is the connectional material uh, that we're sharing. Uh, but to your direct question, Hunter, the 
The reality of it is the FUA, our facility use agreement, doesn't alter the church's ability to be in ministry fully with the scouting organization. All it does is shift the legal liability to scouts where it should be, and it protects our churches from future claims moving forward, um, which I think is extremely important um, in this day and age. If a local church wants to go forward with a truth um, and there's a problem with the council signing a FSU or facility, FUA, a facility use agreement, uh, then that raises another conversation of why that is and how we can move beyond that. There was a time when charters were being uh, required as the only way to move forward. Now we're also seeing FUAs uh, coming from other directions like the scouts. So I think in that regard, um, uh, things are uh, beginning to get some clarity about the value of an FUA in this process. So um, we have the FUA, but there's also a charter agreement. Yes. Um, that's what we were currently doing. Correct. What if churches wish to just continue the charter agreement? Well, the charter, understand, was an instrument that was uh, presented to the church leadership from the BSA each year for renewal. Um, we're moving in a different direction now where the church is presenting the scouts, the BSA, the troop with the FUA to have the council sign. If you look on that FAQ document, that'd be question number six. It's titled, what if the church wishes to continue with a charter agreement? Bottom line is we're discouraging that because that definitely places the church in a... Um, somewhat vulnerable position, as I heard one leader in this uh, opportunity share. Um, once the BSA emerges from bankruptcy, uh, again, they'll be eligible to be sued, the local church will, by anyone for claims that um, arise after the bankruptcy. And that's why I think FUA facility use agreement is um, the best course of action at this time. So we have the Boy Scouts, um, but what about the Cub Scouts? Um, Cub Scouts are just a part of the Boy Scouts of America. When I say just, I don't mean that in a way that minimalizes it all, but minimizes it all, excuse me. Uh, but they're a part of the Boy Scouts of America, so the same information would apply to the Cub Scouts as it does to the Boy Scouts. Okay. Um, so what's next in this process? What's next in the process? Well, um, the lead team on a national level for the United Methodist Church is working hard to develop guidelines and action steps to lead us through this challenging season and, again, to um, address the unfolding BSA bankruptcy. Um, it is unfolding, so it's uh, something that's moving and changing frequently. Um, it definitely impacts the local church, the pastors, the troops, and uh, everyone's feeling that. Um, but again, we value the relationship. At the same time, we need to absolutely make sure that our churches are appropriately um, covered, indemnified, and have um, uh, policies and procedures that protect them. Uh, the national team is led by Bishop John Scholl. And that includes representatives from our Council of Bishops, as well as, I said before, persons with expertise 
and financial, legal, and communication areas. And my office and the bishop's office will continue to provide information and updates as appropriate through um, our written and uh, other channels of communication. So I guess what I'm saying, Hunter, is stay tuned. Uh, things are changing, and everybody's doing their best uh, mm-hmm. to address us in a faithful, godly way. So it sounds like I mean, we've kind of talked about with, with Bishop Cho, this isn't a Virginia United Methodist Conference issue. This is a nationwide Methodist issue. Absolutely. This isn't a uh, Virginia Conference issue. It's a national issue. It's a bankruptcy that has impacted not just the United Methodist Church, but um, all chartered organizations uh, with the BSA, Boy Scouts of America. Um, Articles are starting to hit the press about this, and uh, it's uh, it's a moving issue, and um, there's a lot of passion around it, a lot of interest in it, a lot of concern over it. And when these things happen, there's also a lot of uh, misinformation or confusion. And uh, I'll just share that our Connectional ministry staff and myself and um, our communication folks here at the conference are doing all that we can to uh, be accurate, clear, up-to-date, and appropriate in what we can share um, with the knowledge that's been given to us that's public information and uh, the releases we're making are absolutely uh, coming from and being vetted with the national team of the United Methodist Church to make sure we are um, doing the right thing and the appropriate thing for our churches and the people of God and to turn this challenge into an opportunity in, for the future and what God has in store for us. So as someone who works down the hall from you, I see you're busy working on this. What can people who are listening to this, or even me, do to help you in this process? Well, I think I've given that a lot of thought, Hunter, and I appreciate you asking that. I I think first and foremost um, is to be mindful that we are addressing the need and the past actions of child sex abuse. And that abuse has deeply, deeply affected people's lives, personally, the lives of their families. And we need to keep our hearts and minds on that as a means of um, answering the absolute need we have to be faithful to those who have and are suffering because of the situation a call to prayer for each of us daily for the survivors and their families. And that reminder that let us not allow this to happen again. Um, Let us do all that we can to be vigilant, um, to be attentive to our safe sanctuary policies as a denomination, conference, district, and local church. and to keep this particular situation with the scouts in our prayers because we do value them and their leadership and, and we know that um, bankruptcy, you know, and what happens in the, in the courts is, is, as I'm sure, not comfortable and difficult and challenging on many levels, and I can't pretend to understand that. But what I do know is that we're all God's children and we can join in prayer um, we can be faithful, 
and we can keep our eyes focused on Christ and the need to be supportive of those who have suffered through this and the relationships to be formed. Well, thank you, Steve, for coming on and, and talking with us today. Um, you can find more information on the VAUMC.org website. Um, the FAQs that we're reading from or taking our questions from are on there. There's also a September 8th letter from the Bishop Lewis. Um, there is a letter from you on right. FA, FUAs. Right. And there's also multiple national UMC press releases coming out. And we'll try to keep everyone up to date as we get more information and we're able to... Thank you, Hunter, and I thank you for your support and um, and your wisdom as we work through this with communications and Brenda Capen, Madeline Pillow, and uh, White Pillow, and the rest of our communications staff. and And I'm just wondering, Hunter, if it would, um, if we could just take a moment and have a prayer. Can we do that on a podcast? Yes, we can. So we'll pray, and yeah. then we'll give a little bit of silent reflection, and we'll go into a break. So after his your prayer. Okay. We'll hear a little bit of quiet and then we'll go into an ad. All right. Thank you, Hunter. Let's pray, folks. Invite you wherever you are right now listening to this. Um, um, if you're able to um, just take a moment and a breath and join me in prayer. Holy God, this is uh, a difficult season and this struggle that we're having and it drives at a core of things we value so much our relationships our youth young adults our ministry with them our volunteers a long-standing relationship and all that will be but especially, God, those who have suffered from abuse and their families and all those involved. That you would give your grace, your peace. That you would give each of us wisdom to be a, a less anxious presence in this challenging situation. Because we know, God, that you are a God of hope. When doors are shut, you can open them. When we can't open them, you can walk through them. And God, you make a way where there seems to be no human way. So fill us with your spirit, your wisdom. Guide our steps to do no harm, and to do all the good that we can. Help us to move forward as your people, as you would have us move forward. And we give you thanks and praise and ask that your spirit be poured out on each word that was valuable during these minutes. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. God's people say, Amen.
Thousand Question Christian Podcast is back for a season two. For Christians and non-Christians alike, the podcast delves into weird questions about faith and Bible questions with UMC pastors. Go to www.vaumc.org slash digital hub to listen or find the podcast on platforms such as Apple or Spotify. Here are our headlines from around the conference for this month. An update on the mission projects around the conference. People from around the Virginia Conference made financial donations to multiple efforts. The first was to support the people directly impacted by the earthquake in Haiti. We collectively raised $13,000 and will also be sending medical supplies to assist their cause. The second mission was to collect UMCOR hygiene kits for the Afghan refugees that are stationed at Fort Pickett. The churches were able to collect 16,000 kits to help those refugees starting their resettlement process. And last but not least, we finally have the number from 2021's annual conference offering. We collected $90,000. The money will go to benefit the Virginia Federation of Food Banks and Partnerships of Hope. Thank you all for donating and spreading the love of Christ through these missions. The Wesley Community Service Center was honored at the Food Bank of the Southeastern Virginia in the Eastern Shores Annual Hunger Summit during the Pillar of Promise Award luncheon for the dedication and achievement in eliminating hunger. The Wesley Community Service Center, which was founded in 1937 by Methodist women, has proudly provided nutritious and accessible food options during twice-weekly food distribution services for over 30 years. And that's it for our headlines, and now it's time for our one last word. Our one last word is going to be a little bit different this month as Halloween is around the corner. I'm going to be reading Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10. God grabbed me. God's spirit took me up and set me down in the middle of an open plain strewn with bones. He led me around and among them in a lot of bones. There were bones all over the plain, dry bones, bleached by the sun. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Master God, only you know that. And he said to me, prophesy over these bones, dry bones, listen to the message of God. God, the master told the dry bones, I'm bringing the breath of life to you and you can come to life. I will attach sinews to you, put meat on your bones and cover you with skin and breath of life into you. You'll come alive and you'll realize that I am God. I prophesied just as I had been commanded. As I prophesied, there was a sound, an oh, rustling. The bones moved and came together, bone to bone. I kept watching. Sinews formed, then muscles to the bone. Then skin stretched over them, but they had no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Tell the breath. God the Master says, come from the four winds, come breath, breathe on these slain bodies, breathe life. So I prophesied, just as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came alive. They stood up on their feet, a huge army. You know, the scripture kind of reminds me of the neighbor who's gone overboard on Halloween decorations or old zombie movies. But all jokes aside, this is a great scripture to show the awesome power that God holds. He gives life to this dead valley with ease, I might add. 
He is constantly bringing in new life and offering each of us grace in our darkest moments. Like our eccentric neighbor, God has no problem going overboard when it comes to renewing all of us. This has been the Audio Advocate for October. You can access this podcast and other Connectional Ministry podcasts through our platforms, including Spotify, Apple, or on the conference website at vaumc.org slash digitalhub. I want to thank our guest, Reverend Steve Summers, for joining us, and thank you all for joining us. The Audio Advocate will be back next month.